or reflecting on the um, <coughs> the things that influence our minds and um, where we uh, find our um, uh, our hearts getting uh, tangled up and in states of, of uh, stress and um, difficulty. And thinking, uh, exploring the different areas where we uh, most easily get lost. Um, for for many of us, uh, the uh, the area, uh, one of the most potent or difficult areas of our life, is in that of relationships, our family, and so forth. So uh, you might have noticed how you, know, you might be working very, very hard to let go of self-view, and you've clearly seen through the uh, the illusion of identity, but uh, your brothers and sisters haven't. <laughs> they have not seen through the illusion of your identity, and they will very uh, regularly remind you. They know all the stories of your... Uh, Weird and and uh, mischievous straight, you know, activities or crises or um, uh, collapses, losses of temper, and um, all the family tales which get re- uh, repeated with great regularity. At least if your family is anything like my family, and that's that's the way it goes. I was just um, my elder sister just had her sixtieth birthday and. Uh, we uh, we all gathered together for um, a celebration of that, and uh, sure enough, many of the old tales get rolled out. <laughs> so that uh, even if you're doing your best to sort of bail out the boat of your life and bail out the self-view, <laughs> that uh, it can be leaking in from um, from other directions, and that the uh, the the family and uh, your um, spouses, ex-spouses, <laughs> etc., partners, can be uh, uh, very um, active, very energetic in in helping that those aspects of self you to be maintained and and rebuilt and regenerated. So it's uh, it's useful, interesting to to um, consider family, uh, our parents, our children, our siblings, partners, um, and, and how we, uh, we relate to that. Uh, again, uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not at all psychic, but I would suspect that during the course of this last week or so, um, for, for many of us gathered together on the, you know, the good ship Amravati, that uh, we've had uh, during this time some of the most of Stressful or difficult or, or potent things coming through your mind were uh, related to your uh, your family or your relationships and uh, ex relationships or would be relationships. <laughs> that uh, those are the uh, the the potent areas where the mind gets most uh, easily snagged um, when our feelings have been hurt or we've been rejected or. Um, something that we 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 long for, or a, an unrequited love, or an unfixable conflict, um, and so this can be very stressing, uh, very difficult, uh, very um, uh, burdensome for for us. And uh, 
So those are the, can be the most sort of knotty and and uh, tense type areas of of self view where uh, there definitely feels like there's a me, <laughs> a me who's regretting, a me who's hoping, a me who's wanting revenge. Yeah. May all beings be happy, except him or her. And it's it's ironic, uh, as is often pointed out, that that uh, when we if you're trying to spread loving kindness to all beings, it's the one who you, that you walked down the aisle with <laughs> that was the sort of the one true love together forever twenty years ago. That uh, is the one that that, that uh, yeah may all beings be happy, oh, except <laughs> that one. Uh, we can uh, uh, just in that as an example, you know, we can try to be um, uh, spiritual people, trying to live a wholesome life, trying to guide our life in in skillful ways. We can put a lot of energy and effort, a lot of work, into trying to uh, mend those painful, broken relationships, or to try and work out how to live in, in skillful relationships with each other, with our, our siblings and co-workers, our family and, and partners and so on, children, parents. And um, with great sincerity and great, uh, and great effort, we can try to, to, to get things right. We can really work hard to try and make things good and to have a good relationship, a wholesome, wholesome relationship um, uh, that, uh, that is uh, beneficial for ourselves and others. Um, but it can be, it can be very, uh, uh, painful, frustrating, or or um, or uh, disappointing, because sometimes no matter how hard we try, we can't we quite, can't quite get it right, or we can't um, establish a quality of of harmony and and mutual benefit. And uh, so this can be um, uh, say mysterious to us, or or you know, we might think, well, I'm I'm doing the best I can, I'm trying really hard, but I can't quite seem to get it right. I can't quite seem to to fix that, or mend that, or be understood, or, or understand them. Um, many, many years ago, um, in the early days of, of Chidhurst Monastery, so probably about 30 years ago, more than 30 years ago now, um, one of the uh, the first group of nuns um, in our community, this was before the, uh, even the Ten Precept uh, ordination was established, uh, and one of the, the sisters was uh, planning to go back and visit her parents, and uh, they were particularly uh, averse to her being a nun, and were very critical and, and angry and upset with her uh, becoming a Buddhist nun. They thought that she was wasting her life, and uh, it was uh, just a, um, uh, a, uh, uh, an uh, appalling and, and uh, wrong choice. And they were so um, uh, Averse to the to the whole thing, that they actually wouldn't allow her her shaven head to be seen in their house. So when she she would go to visit them, she had to wear a, you know a, a woolly hat, a, a beanie, <laughs> because they refused to see her shaved head. Um, anyway, so it was a, a tense and somewhat anguished relationship that she had, uh, and so. Uh, on the uh, the day before she was about to to set off, uh, one day at, at tea time at uh, at Chithurst, she asked uh, uh, 
Lomposomato, uh, um, what will be his advice for her going back to to visit the family? Uh, how to how can she um, help her parents, or how can she uh, you know, work to enable them to see her perspective or establish a a quality of, of harmony between them? And um, yeah, it was very very sincere and and uh, and heartful question. And then what uh, what Lumpur Sumato said was uh, was something that struck me very deeply, uh, uh, stuck me deeply at that time, and, and stayed with me ever since. And uh, and what he said was, the kindest thing that you can do for your parents is not to create them. As a thought. <laughs> The kindest thing you can do for your parents is not to create them, and it was it was a phrase that I, I'd never heard him use before, and I don't think he'd ever uh, heard it himself before. <laughs> it just sort of came out of the void, um, fully formed, uh, and even though he seemed to be surprised to hear it as well, <laughs> it's rather rather like the the Buddha one time when the Buddha turned to to Venerable Sariputta and said, "Sariputta, have you ever heard?" me give this teaching before and Sariputta said no venerable sir I haven't and Buddha said uh, well I've never heard me give it before either <laughs> yeah, it, it occurred to me as I was speaking so, so I felt like one of those it just popped out but it was uh, in that way it was very uh, uh, accurate very clearly um, uh, on on target and uh, it was exactly appropriate to the to the situation because um, this uh, sister was trying very, very hard to get it right, but not uh, and and very sincere and and uh, and distressed about how bad things were at that time, and um, and and yet was was not seeing that the that the mind had created a, a a me here and a them out there, and I'm trying to to get it right between us, and uh, and what. Don Posomato's um, comment pointed right too was to the that uh, habit of self-view of uh, creating self, creating other, and then trying to get the self and the other to work together, <laughs> but it can never really work because self-view is is based on on that which is not real. It's not uh, it's not uh, actually in accord with with Dhamma, with truth, with uh, with. Uh, the natural order of things, and so if there's a solid me here and a solid you there, then we can never get we can never get it right between us. If I'm here being Ajahn Amro, and then you are the retreatants, and and I'm here and you're out there, and I'm trying to get it right for you, ain't gonna work. <laughs> you might be surprised, <laughs> because uh, it, it's only when you you let go of self view. You, you let go of self-centered thinking, and I'm not trying to, uh, and I, I, I don't create you, <laughs> I don't create me. Then uh, an actual communi- a real communication can happen. So these are just thoughts that are offered for consideration. You don't have to take this to be true, but uh, it's, uh, I would encourage you to pick it up and and, and consider it. As long as uh, and uh, when I first started leading retreats and giving talks, it was. It was a very, very strong sense of me here trying to get it right for them out there, and the, and it was uh, and those who were sitting in your positions that where you are now, back in 1986, I think was the first 10-day retreat that I helped to lead here. 
there was definitely them <laughs> and i've 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 got to get it right for them uh, otherwise that'll be really bad and there's uh, they won't be happy and that's that'll be they'll be unhappy and i'll be unhappy and so i've got to get it right for them and i remember i was walking around the 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 meadow um trying to clear my clear my head before the evening session and the, the, this this 10 uh, day retreat that i was leading i wasn't expecting to be leading it i was uh, in the position of uh, sister brahmavara or ajahn maha adisak lumpo sameta was was giving all the dhamma talks every morning every evening and you know how he could be just sort of handing out armloads of sunshine you know <laughs> glorious dhamma you know day in day out so i was just sitting there sunbathing <laughs> this is great how oh, wonderful this is uh, i was having a grand old time and then about the fourth day of the retreat um came in for the for the mid-morning sitting at about eight thirty, and lumpur didn't show up and then Went out for the walking and came back in for the for the next sitting. You know, still Limpo didn't show up. So, I wonder what's happened. It's, something's something's up here. And so then uh, we're just preparing things in the little sangha room at the meal time. And Limpo appeared in the doorway and said, "Well, venerable, it's up to you now. I'm off to California." <laughs> So uh, his uh, the, the the issue was that his mother had uh, had suddenly fallen ill and he got an emergency call from his sister and that the plane ticket was booked and he was off to Heathrow <laughs> and so that was uh, the retreat was landed in my hands so um, and if any of you are familiar with Lumpur Sumato's feet that uh, his his uh, shoes are very <laughs> very difficult to fill the. And so, but uh, anyway, the the during that time, I remember uh, this the sense of oh dear, uh, I've got to I've got to f- follow uh, Lumpur Sumedho, and I've got to to make everybody I've got to make everybody happy. I've got to be as inspiring and as uh, as give uh, as good dhamma talks as he does. Uh, um, and uh, it was walking around the meadow, and I can still picture it quite now, quite clearly now. You can see the the sun coming through the grass in the evening light and. And then, and uh, you know, about on about my third lap around, I suddenly realised what's all this them, like I was talking about the other the other evening, like, you know, th- those them they who sit in judgment on our lives, you know, who sort of uh, spending their time you know, making uh, judgments about uh, what we do and what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing. What's this? What's all this them? Wouldn't it be more skillful to think about us? <laughs> Uh, rather than them, like this sort of dangerous <laughs> and picky, you know, uh, hard to please bunch of people that uh, are going to be uh, thinking all kinds of negative thoughts if I don't sort of get it right. I, I could see, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm creating a, a, a me and a them. So what if I don't? What if I don't do that and just take some of Lumpur Sumato's advice <laughs> and and let go of that? And so, uh, as it turned out, it was very uh, enjoyable um, to to be uh, in that situation. And the group were also extremely, some of you maybe were there, but extremely compassionate and accommodating. <laughs> so then going back to uh, this um, uh, exchange uh, in the 
in the the uh, the reception room there at Chithas, you know, the kindest thing you can do for your parents is not to create them. So what this means is that uh, when we uh, say so we have some difficulty in our life, some uh, maybe with our parents or our children or our sibling or partner or ex-partner or or would-be ex-partner, <laughs> they they might not know that they're going to be an ex-partner. <laughs> Or you might be worried that you're about to become an ex-partner. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, that um, the way that we pick each other up and how we've got to uh, oh you know well, she's thinking like this and he's like that and 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 when 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 we talk then I, um, he's going to say this as I should say that to him and when I say that then he's going to respond with this and when he says that then I'm going to say and we, we fabricate each other we, we we create these mental images and I certainly did this a lot with with my parents uh, through my, my teens and then uh, in my early years as, as a monk I would spend a huge amount of time <laughs> scripting dialogues with my parents that that never actually happened because of course you you write you spend all this time writing these scripts and the other people don't learn their lines <laughs> you're all prepared about what you're going to say and, and how you're going to respond and then they they follow a different script altogether. So what you find is that when you you're you're, you're filled with these kind of um, anticipation or with memory and fear and hope and so forth, that we create a mental image of each other. And then when we when we meet or we're on the phone, you're not actually meeting the person themselves. You're not really with your 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 father or your mother or your your children your daughter, your son, your siblings, you're with your mental creations about them. You're talking to your projection. And that, uh, and the more that you're, you know, you're talking to that which you're, you know, you're afraid of what they're going to be like or how they're going to attack you or that, um, or that they're, they're going to have another weird opinion that you don't know what to do with or <laughs> another, you know, another you know, strange idea or, or, or difficult emotions or they're going to have another breakdown or they're going to blow up at you and and so that you are uh, uh, picking up the memories, the projections, the imagination, and we 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 build a, a an image uh, out of those. And then when we're so that when we're we're together, so we're in the same place, or talking on the phone, or, or connecting in some way, we're, we're, there's still that barrier uh, because there's a, a me uh, a, a me here and. Uh, and a projected image out there. So what uh, what we mean by not creating your your parents or your children or your siblings or whatever is to to notice those habits of of creation and projection and uh, admiration and inspiration or fear and uh, uh, whether it's uh, love and attachment or um, the fear of of loss or the the um, you know, irritation or uh, anxiety, whatever it might be, the the different you know, spectrum of emotions that we we feel well the, the, as those arise um both about yourself or about the other just to be seeing them as these are patterns of emotion arising there isn't a person here there isn't a person there this is this is all uh, not self these are all just uh, uh feeling perception mental formations consciousness that's just patterns of the the five khandhas arising and passing away and so, you know, obviously, 
you can handle this in an unwise way, like if you're having a, a deep conversation with your mother and you say to her, actually, you're just the five khandhas arising and passing away. <laughs> That's not going to go down very well. Like, uh, don't, don't do that Buddhist thing on me, please. Yeah. Please stop doing that. You know. So it's, it's not to, you're not trying to create an extra set of projections, but it's, a, it's a very much a letting go and an, and an attunement to the time and the place and the situation, talking the language that your your children or your parents or your your, your loved ones, uh, letting go of your your preconceptions, your preoccupations, your preconditioning, and attuning to to the 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 the, uh, the time, the place, the situation, and then then you find you have a real communication. There's actually a a communion, uh, a, a real meeting, uh, whereas. If uh, if I'm concerned, I've got to get it right, and I want you to understand. And we we create uh, this this mysterious and invisible barriers between ourselves and others. Now it's difficult to to do this because of. Um, as I was saying, you know, that others will help maintain your self-view for you. <laughs> so people will project onto you. They will see you as the, the, the brother or the daughter or the sister or the father or the mother. And you are receiving a, a pile of projections from others. And, and maybe projections that you don't like <laughs> or that uh, you are uncomfortable with. Uh, but part of the, the practice, uh, I was talking earlier today with, with someone, that's, that's really a, a very significant is uh, uh, and it's, this is a very very advanced practice. So you know, I, I realize this is a this is a deep challenge, but so this advanced practice is to learn how to be misunderstood and to be misrepresented. So when somebody misunderstands you and they they misread your actions, they they they, they don't um, see your motivations for what they are, but they they misjudge you. It's very important to learn how to not just jump in and try to explain and say, no, 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 it's not like that. That's not what I'm thinking. It's, you know, it's, it's not that way. But uh, it can be very, very helpful and, and uh, an enormous benefit to, to not be trying to jump in and fix things, but to, to sometimes to, to let yourself be misunderstood or misrepresented, not to to um to feel you've got to to fix it and make it right and make people understand you there's a a a, a, sh- a brief saying of of Lao Tzu which I, I'm fond of which is those who justify themselves do not convince those who justify themselves do not convince the very act of jumping in and saying no 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 it's not like that let me tell you really I'm not thinking that way that very eagerness to sort of jump in and fix it <laughs> uh, makes it, uh, you know, it creates a sense of of division and and uh, uh, that lack of of uh, genuine communication. And as as he says, doesn't it makes one not not uh, convinced. Though so in this way of letting go of each other and uh, in a way finding finding a connection or finding communion or harmony with others through letting go of them, then we're giving ourselves space to, 
to be the way we are and also giving others the space to be the way they are and also sometimes the the recognizing there's some things in our relationships that that, that just can't be fixed that are just that they just don't work <laughs> and that if you if we hold out a hope okay i really want my 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 parents to approve of me being a buddhist monk or i really want um, things to be okay between me and my ex-partner or i really want um to be able to understand my children um so that we are really you know good friends and uh, and uh, have a uh, a beautiful collaborative relationship but uh, and so we might ha have that as a hope or as an ideal but it's also important to recognize that sometimes things are just broken and they can't be fixed. That might sound a bit uh, disappointing or depressing, but it's it's also realistic. Sometimes things are broken and they can't be fixed. And our very effort, like trying to sort of to jump in and make everything all right and to explain, to try and uh, to come from the assumption that, that some misunderstanding or some hurt feelings can be fixed or can be repaired, we're only making it worse by trying to, 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 to fix it. Obviously, you know, you have to be uh, discerning and, uh, and attentive and see how things are, are working. But also just to, to consider sometimes, maybe this is not, <laughs> in, in, this lift, in this lifetime, this is not workable. This is, this is never going to uh, come good. It's always going to be awkward. It's always going to be a painful memory. There's always going to be that, that kind of a, uh, that hurt the hurt feelings about some event in the past, or, or some misunderstanding. You know that sometimes people in our, in our families they just they're just never going to get on, <laughs> and there's there's no there's no way there's no way of, sort of rearranging the roles, rearranging the furniture, rearranging the the the, the location that's going to make it possible for them to get on. And so you might find that sort of negative or depressing, but um, it, uh, if if you if you look at that and you work with it, you'll also notice a sense uh, of uh, there can be a deep sense of relief, like huh, you know what a, what an enormous amount of time and effort I've been spending trying to sort of get things right, and it's and and yet it's not gettable. You can't get it right. You can't. That that rightness is not gettable. And then when we let go and we and we try to stop making everything right according to our expectations, in a, in a strange way, when we stop trying to fix it and we just let things be more spacious, that very spaciousness actually does the fixing, <laughs> right? Because we we've been judging the the whole picture according to our own perceptions or preferences or, or hopes and when we just um, we don't we don't try to fix things but we don't ignore it we don't turn away we're still attending there's a, a strange rightness that we encounter at a, at a deeper level in the in Japanese uh, art there there's this principle of wabi-sabi and any Japanese people here will forgive me for mispronouncing that. <laughs> Wabi-sabi, which means the beauty of imperfection. So it's like in pottery or in, in artwork or the, the calligraphy, it's like it's the, the, the little bits that have got wrong in just the right way. <laughs> that, that, uh, that wrongness makes it perfect. The beauty of imperfection. And uh, if you notice that we, we can spend a huge amount of effort and energy and, and create a lot of stress in ourselves, always trying to, to get things right, um, 
and to to make it perfect and we we we, we become a, a, a not exactly a neurotic wreck <laughs> but we certainly can can stress ourselves about always trying to get it right always trying to be perfect and trying to to fix things and make them good and that but that very effort uh, to to get it right to be perfect to always be doing things in the the best possible way that very anxiety that we we bring to that is what can cause more distortion and and more disharmony more difficulty and if we just see that that anxious fretful attitude and then just relax a notch just sort of go into overdrive you know <laughs> like that they're still sort of going at the same speed but with less revs just to just to relax a bit and just to to um uh open the mind to allow there to be imperfection to allow something to be not uh not ideal to for it not to be perfect then we discover uh, this uh, strange uh, uh, quality of a of a deeper perfection in the the verses on the faith mind uh, sin sin ming the verses of the third chan patriarch there's this beautiful line that because i i i speak about this because i'm one who could be extremely anxious about imperfection at all times <laughs> and that like i was talking about how i could be very uh, i was a very you know, anxious and, and worried type of character that uh, i was always trying to be perfect always trying to get it right and always feeling like it was never quite good enough or uh, just aiming for that kind of um uh you know 100% uh perfection in in all situations at all times and uh, there was this line in the sin sin ming that that jumped out at me uh, during that this time when i was trying to work on my anxiety <laughs> patterns and it's uh, the, it says to live in this realization so the realization of of uh, letting go of dualities to live in this realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection to live in this realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection so that's when the when the mind sort of leaps into something so oh, it shouldn't be this way oh dear you know she's upset oh oh he's angry again oh dear oh, i should i must what am i what am i gonna how the seeing that imperfection seeing things you know, not quite right seeing things uh, out of order that uh, that relaxation just seeing the, the the heart of surging towards the, the situation uh, or not, not even just with relationships with with just even the 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 uh, the, the uh, arrangement of the furniture <coughs> yeah, it can be well somebody chanting out of tune oh dear <laughs> They've gone flat again. Oh no! But uh, just to see the mind moving towards that and creating tension, stress over it, and to to just recognize that that movement and to to reflect on that, to to be without anxiety about non-perfection. And when I I I think I must have read that line or heard it many many times before it really sank in, and then one day it just sort of dawned on me like, oh, to be without anxiety about non-perfection even though i'd heard the lines or read them many many times the possibility of actually being without anxiety about non-perfection had never <laughs> never really occurred to me never dawned on me as a possibility 
But then when we are able to do that, how it, it changes the world in a, in a radical way. So this isn't advocating sort of laziness or being casual or kind of or careless in the way we relate to others or saying, Oh, it's imperfect, I don't need to fix it, yeah, tough luck. <laughs> You're on your own. You, know, you look after yourself. It's not encouraging callousness or, or a hard heartedness or carelessness. But uh you I I'm pretty sure you understand what I mean. It's just lo- loosening that tension, that that kind of fretful uh anxious um, uh, tightness in the heart about uh, about um, the relationships we have and the situations that we're in just to to see that and to to give yourself permission to to relax when we, we consider relationships and, and why they have such an impact uh, upon us um, it's important to understand that there there are different ways that we love each other. In the English, you have the word the word love, as they they say the the um, the word has many many shades of meaning. And uh, in the Buddhist philosophy, the it's it, there's sort of two very clear branches of two different ways of of loving. So um, there's a, a, a couple of very significant suttas that when the, the Buddha talks about relationships, and uh, one is called the, the Piyajatika Sutta, and this is in the Middle Length Discourses. Piyajatika means born from those who are dear. And uh, it starts off with um, uh, this, um, this uh, fellow who's uh, lost has, uh, lost one of his children, a child has just died, and he's, he's in the local park, and he's weeping and wailing, very upset and anguished, and uh, very unhappy because of the death of his child. And um, uh, and so he encounters the, the, the Buddha and, um, and says, oh, you know, how, how he's uh, so miserable, so sad, so... so uh, depressed and unhappy because his child has died. And the Buddha says, yes, indeed, um, sorrow and pain and anguish are born from those who are dear to us. And he said, what are you talking about? No, happiness and joy are born from those that are dear to us. You know, that, well, what do you mean? You know, sorrow and, 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 uh, and pain uh, are born <laughs> from those who are dear. You know what you're talking about. You know, the, uh, our dear ones are the source of great happiness and, and uh, all, the, all the blessings in our life. You know, you're a fool. You don't know what you're talking about. And so then he he goes off and uh, encounters some some people a short distance away who are gambling, playing dice, and and uh, he said, "I just met this really stupid monk, and he said that sorrow and anguish and pain come from those who are dear." But I don't agree with that at all. I think it's, it's happiness and joy come from those who are dear to us. And the gamblers say, "Yeah, of course you're right. Everyone knows that. Any every everybody is uh, aware of that. That's uh, that's the great joy in our life is from those who are who are dear to us." So then, uh, this uh, difference of opinion then um, started uh, making its way around the, the city of Savati and eventually uh, reaches the palace. And so there's a, a dialogue between King Pasenadi and Queen Malika, and uh, uh, about these two different points of view: that uh, that sorrow and pain, anguish come from those that are dear, or happiness and joy come from those that are dear. And King Pasenadi says, "Well." 
which for me it's obvious you know that that's the great source of happiness in our life is our, our children our loved ones and you queen you know, malika you know of course you know you're very dear to me so you're a source of happiness and joy i i can't i can't see any other you know perspective making any sense at all and then queen malika says well you know the blessed one has said that sorrow pain and anguish come from those that are dear so you know i think he must be right and he says so the king says off with you malika away with you Whenever the Buddha says anything, you always agree with him, even if it doesn't make any sense. You know, away with you! I've had enough. Get out of here. So, in the normal sort of kingly way. <laughs> so, so, marital relations haven't changed a lot over a couple of thousand years. They're still there. Minor disputes over different over opinions about perspectives on things. So then Queen Malika says, well, okay, you're entitled to your opinion, great king, but, uh, you know, the, the, the blessed one is usually right in these things, and you, have, you do have faith in him as a teacher, so, uh, you know, yeah, there may be the, there's more to this than, than meets the eye, and he says, <laughs> well, and so he begrudgingly uh, agrees that when they next meet the Buddha, then they'll ask him about this, and so they uh, invite him to the palace, and uh, he comes along, and so then, they they bring this question to him and say so uh, so venerable sir you know I I heard this 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 uh, I must have been a, a misreporting of what you said because what uh, what I heard you said is that sorrow pain and anguish come from those that are dear to us and that uh, and and uh, and yet that that can't be right because you know the, the other opinion was that happiness and joy come from those that are dear to us and that seems obvious to me I mean surely you've been misreported and and this idiot queen of mine is sort of misunderstood what you actually said and he said no great king uh, queen malika has reported that exactly as i as i said i i did indeed say you know, did indeed say that sorrow pain and anguish come from those that are dear to us <laughs> well, how can that be so says, well great king um uh, is the princess vajiri is she dear to you Yes, she's she's my most beloved child. She's uh, very very special to me. I, I I love her very much. So great king. So if something happened to Princess Vajiri, if she got ill or she was injured or she was killed, how would you feel? Well, I'd be very upset. I'd be very uh, angry. I'd be very miserable. Um, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets it first of all with the princess, and then the Buddha, being the Buddha. You know, so what about uh, something happened to Queen Malika? You know, and uh, you know she was injured or hurt or she died. How would you feel? Well, I'd be very upset. I'd be very sad. And what about the prince? And what about the minister? And what about the the city of of Savati? And what about your the kingdom of Kosala? And he goes through this long list of of things, and one after another after another, hammering home the point. And each time he says, "Yes, you know, I would feel unhappy. I would feel distressed. I would feel uh, sad." And then finally, after about a dozen of these, the Buddha says, "This great king is why I said, you know, sorrow, pain, and anguish come are born from those that are dear." <clears throat> so this hinges around the word "pia," p-i-y-a in in Roman letters, "pia," which is dearness. Um, so that's a that's something to, to bear in mind that that's that's the the key element in this mixture because you might. Uh, Think well. This is this is starting to look like a very sour uh, uh, perspective on life. So on another occasion, uh, also at Savati, then the the Buddha was staying, I think, at the monastery of the the eastern park. 
and uh, Visaka, who was a great uh, lay disciple of of his, and she was um, she was the great mother of the city of Savati. It said that she had twenty children, ten ten daughters, ten sons, and each of them had ten daughters and ten sons. So you do the sums on that. So <laughs> twenty times twenty—that's four hundred. Four hundred grandkids. Um, so she was the great mother, the uh, the Mahamata of. Uh, of Savati, and uh, so one day she came into the monastery, uh, and uh, the, uh, in the middle of the day, and the, the Buddha saw her hair was wet and her clothes were wet from the the ritual bathing, and and she said, uh, and so he said, to, what, "What brings you here in the middle of the day, Visaka, to to um, to the monastery? Your your hair is wet, your clothes are wet from uh, uh, you must have been involved in some." Uh, some religious ritual, and she said, "Yes, indeed, venerable sir. I'm, I'm, I just come straight from the funeral of my dearest granddaughter, and she just died, uh, just a little girl. And uh, so I'm very upset, very unhappy. So I came here to to the uh, to the monastery, to the eastern park, to to come and see you because I'm so distressed about my my granddaughter passing away." And then the Buddha says, "What do you think, uh, Visaka?" Would you like to have as many uh, children and grandchildren as there are people in Savati? And she said, well, yes, of course. I've already got 400 you know, grandchildren. And, but, you know, I'd like more, you know, more the merrier. And, uh, and so he said, so you'd like to have as many children and grandchildren as there are people in Savati. But Visaka, a, a day does not pass by when there are at least 10 people in Savati pass away. And if not 10, 9, if not 9, 8, if not 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, there is not a day that goes by without somebody dying in Savati. So, Visaka, a day would not go by without your head being, your hair being wet and your clothes wet from the funeral ceremonies. So she was quicker on the uptake than King Pasenadi. <laughs> so she said, "Enough of having so many grandchildren and children." You know that, uh, you know that, that's true. If I had that many, then you know, I would always be going to funerals. And uh, and he said, uh, "Indeed, if you have a hundred dear ones, you have a hundred pains. If you have." Fifty dear ones, fifty pains, and if you have twenty dear ones, twenty pains, ten dear ones, ten pains, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one dear one, one pain. If you have no dear ones, you have no pains. So this might be sounding even more depressing. <laughs> so that uh, the if you have no dear ones, you have no pains. So then, uh, but again, it's this word pia. Uh, piati, or the, that which is dear, and so that uh, uh, that is a kind of love that is possessive. That's a, a me here and a you there, and I I love you and you belong to me and I belong to you. That kind of possessive love, and uh, I depend on having you around, you depend on having me around, and we we own each other. So that possessiveness intrinsically brings with it the anguish of losing that which is felt to be possessed that uh, that's part of the chemistry that the buddha's pointing at you have 10 10 dear ones 10 pains you know five dear ones five pains it's it's very um sort of brutal mathematics it's it's, uh, it's blunt but he said that's that's the law of it. if we if we tie ourselves to another being with that kind of possessiveness that's the chemistry that we're creating that's the the um the dynamic that we're setting in place um and so that uh, there, there is intrinsically within that, there's a, there's a feeling of loss that's going to be there. 
many many years ago uh, in the village uh, of um, Stedham near Chithurst, there was this old couple, Mr. and Mrs. Gilbert. And maybe I think maybe uh, Tony remembers them, maybe from there. And uh, they were a very very uh, dear old couple. We used to go and visit them sometimes on the arms round. And they uh, they'd been married for sixty years and had never had an argument. Pause for consideration. Sixty years of marriage and no no arguments. And uh, <laughs> strange but true. And uh, they they loved each other very very dearly. Um, and uh, we so we used to go and visit them quite quite regularly. And Mrs. Gilbert had terrible arthritis, so she had excruciating pain a lot of the time. So she kept making these remarks like, "Oh, I've had enough. I'm ready for the end. You know, when's it when's it going to be over? You know, like, uh, and it, this this is so uh, so painful, so awful." And whenever she would make a, a, a remark like that, then her husband would say, "Oh, don't say that! Don't say that! You know, please, you know, don't, you shouldn't be wishing to die. It's it's, it's terrible bad luck." And, he was very anguished by that, but uh, she was just tired, <laughs> tired of having so much uh, pain all the time. Uh, anyway, uh, eventually she did pass away, and uh, so he was uh, he was left by himself, and uh, so we would go and see him very regularly during that time, and uh, and he was really very very miserable and and unhappy, and and one day we went down to. Uh, to see him and um, and uh, we're chatting with him and he said uh, and asked him about how he was doing he said well you know I'm so unhappy and so miserable and, you know I went to the doctor a few, a few days ago and I, and I said can you can you give me something you know I'm feeling so miserable so unhappy so depressed and, and you know my wife has died and we were, we, we were together for so long and is there some can you, can you give me something that will just make me feel alright and he, you know what that doctor said, that young chap. He said, "I'm not going to give you anything. You know what your problem is. Your marriage was too good. <laughs> That's your problem. <laughs> Cheeky young puppy." But he was smiling. So he was chuckling to himself when he when he said that, Mister. And he said, you know, your problem is that you know, your marriage was too good. You know, you you uh, you loved each other so much, you depended on each other so much that, of course, you know, she, your your wife dies, it's going to feel like you've lost an arm and a leg. You know, what do you expect? So it's it's completely natural that you should feel this kind of grief. So that nothing is wrong with you. You don't need medicine. You know, that it's uh, what you're what you're experiencing is a so that natural uh, grief that is there. So the, in this, uh, you might be thinking, well, the Buddha's trying to turn us into a bunch of, of um, cold fish. That we're supposed to have no feelings and just sort of watch sankaras. You know, your, your, your husband of 60 years passes away and you say, all sankaras arise and pass away. <laughs> there goes another one. Suppose they to call the monastery, they could do the, do the needful. Yeah. It's, we're not trying to 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 freeze our hearts or, or not feel, but uh, it's changing the the perspective. And so, the whereas piati, the the, the that quality of dearness, is always naturally brings a a quality of pain with it. When there is that possessiveness, 
It's a it's a relationship of separateness. There's a, a me here and a you there, and um, I need you to make me whole, and you need me to make you feel whole, and that and that. Then when there's inevitable separation, then the, we feel like there's a bit missing, like Mr. Gilbert feeling like he's lost an arm and a leg. So the other kind of 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 love, the other kind of of way that we can relate with each other, is the Brahma Viharas, the Metta Karuna Mudita Upeka. That there are these loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity, and uh, so the, this kind of love, particularly the, the loving kindness of metta, this is, that's a love which is you know, abundant, exalted, immeasurable. It's is brilliant and radiant and abundant, but it's not possessive. It's not a, a love that is dependent uh, dependent on another. So um, you can love another, but then when they're not there, you're not missing anything. That your your love is not a, a, a possessive love or a love that is a um, is a based on a sense of separation, um, but it's more a um, a relationship of wholeness. So that uh, when when there's a meta between a, a, a parent and a child or siblings or you know between partners or even in a monastery, meta between the <laughs> monks and nuns or the anagarikas, anagarikas and the the lay community, when there's metta, then that, that that's a love which is very f- uh, free and independent. So it's a relationship of, of wholeness. So that then the presence of the other um, you, uh, reminds you of your own wholeness. If you get that. So that that uh, you do love being around others, you enjoy the, the presence of others, but uh, uh, you don't need the other to make you whole. But the other, the presence of the other helps to remind you of your own wholeness, and your presence helps the other to to re- remind them of their own wholeness. Oh, uh, uh, many years ago, I was at a, a wedding blessing that a, a Thai monk was giving, and he he gave this very good piece of advice. He said, uh, uh, he said he pointed his, his two fingers at each other and said, "Now you two are joining together in a marriage. Now if you think." Um, that uh, the husband's job is to make the wife happy, or the wife's job is to make the husband happy, then you're going to be miserable. And if the husband thinks it's the wife's job to make me happy, <laughs> or the wife thinks it's the husband's job to make me happy, then you're going to be miserable. Because I can't make you happy. You can't make me happy. But I can make myself happy. <laughs> and uh, uh, so that uh, what you're recognizing is that... Uh, if uh, if you're he said if you're if you're spending your whole time looking at each other and either trying to make the other one happy or expecting the other one to make you happy, then you're always going to be falling short. It's never going to quite work. But if instead of just fixating on each other and having this sort of um, you me you, uh, you here me here and you there kind of relationship, if instead you're side by side looking at that which is beyond both of you, then you can really work together. Then, then you're not just fixating on your own personalities, your own individual needs or own individual perspectives, but you're you're looking towards that which is beyond both of you, that which is deeper and more real and profound within each of you. It's beyond your personalities, beyond your bodies, beyond your your personal histories. That uh, you're looking towards your, your spiritual nature within within yourself and within the other. And so then you're looking beyond self-view, in, in essence. You're, you're looking beyond that, uh, those self-centered habits 
and you're and then you assist each other in doing that and then there's a uh, a sense of uh, mutual support and collaboration but not a a, a dependency as also um uh, hopefully that that kind of a, a, a points to the, the, these different qualities so that when you develop relationships of wholeness then um, the uh, the presence of others uh, is something that you enjoy but also the absence of others is something that you can enjoy too <laughs> that you don't need to have others around to make you feel complete and so that that this this kind of um, transforming of our, the way that we relate to others and it is really born out in the the Brahma Viharas and the development of that because this is in a way the emotional nature purified takes takes the form of of loving kindness of compassion of sympathetic joy and of equanimity so loving kindness is like the sort of overarching relationship of uh, of ourselves to all other beings and to the to all things so there's that quality of acceptance and benevolence towards all beings then within that the if uh, beings are suffering then what arises is is compassion if beings are, are uh, enjoying themselves or doing well or having meeting with success then you, you generate uh, mudita sympathetic joy and then uh, the the quality of equanimity is in relationship uh, when there's agitation or or turbulence in other beings, then equanimity is that stability of heart, that kind of steadiness and unshakability that is aroused in relationship to to agitation or busyness or, or um, disturbance in others. So that uh, it's also when we when we talk about sort of developing the heart in this way or developing our emotional nature or our relationships based on the. Brahma Viharas, it's not it's not a clinical kind of it's not a clinical procedure. It's not now I need I think four units of metta, five and a half karuna, no mudita necessary. Uh, <laughs> no, this uh, he's crying, so there's not he's not happy, so no mudita, but uh, I think you know, about seven seven measures of, of uh, upeka. Yeah, but you know, I think we need it's it's not a calculation. But it's more the natural responsiveness of the heart to the situation, so that that the, when others meet with success, then the heart moves. If the if there is the the, the heart is, is is unattached and unentangled and is free, then say when when the, the another car pulls into the parking spot that you were about to to go into, what immediately leaps forth is the heart of mudita oh how wonderful <laughs> they must be so happy to have got that parking space yeah. i feel so glad for them and it's mudita is a very rare quality in in the world that uh, you don't have to to think you know should i you know, when somebody is upset or, or injured you don't have to think should i should i be compassionate here or should i just tell them to get over it you know that it's it's not a calculation it's just the heart moves towards uh, that's that sense of caring and concern for the, the suffering of another, and similarly, when uh, with uh, upeka, that if there's um, the sense of busyness or agitation or, or uh, disturbance, then it, it's that in the in the heart which becomes you know, 
moves towards stillness and becomes um say cool and uh, and caring but is undisturbed in the middle of of disturbance so that that it's a natural responsiveness it's a a a, a sense of our emotional nature of brought fully into balance with with dhamma with the, the way things are so that when our um uh, uh we we can tr- transform the way we relate to others when we let go of those uh separative and sort of divisive sort of possessive ways of relating to others and we cultivate more the 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 brahma viharas then there's there's a natural attunement and so that then there's an arising of compassion or kindness or or mudita you know, according to the the time and the place and it's just elicited naturally um in as a a, a as a response there's a lot more that could be said about our relationships and uh, and also you know i'm being from i i uh, fully acknowledge that i've never been a lay buddhist so my encounter with Buddhism basically occurred inside a monastery. <laughs> so I've never, I never tried to to live on the five precepts. So uh, I I walked into a monastery looking for, in Thailand, looking for a cheap place to stay, <laughs> and I didn't realize I was going to be staying for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I, I I fully admit I'm a total fraud when it comes to giving lay people advice about relationships and marriages and partnerships and. And uh, I've I've had parents, but I haven't had any children that I know of. So, but, uh, <laughs> certainly didn't bring any up. But I but I have lived in community for more than thirty years. So I, I've lived in community for for three more than three decades. So uh, and uh, I have a, a family with parents, uh, sisters, and so on. So uh, um, I have had that, that amount of experience. But uh, I, I I would. Just put these themes out for you to to consider to explore your own experience of a relationship and to to see how um where the the, the tension points the the stress points are and to to reflect on that and to see how much that changes when that the the quality of self view is let go of when that we we recognize those um uh, relationships of of um, separateness and and partiality, the the, the qualities of, of possessiveness and self view, and how they they create the the causes of that tension. And when that's let go of, when there's a relationship of, of wholeness, when we let go of each other, we stop creating each other. Then what naturally arises um, from that lack of creating self and other is the flow of loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, equanimity serenity that uh, just to i would encourage you to explore that and see how that that's the way that it, it works and that uh seeing uh, the the way that that functions um here in the environment of a retreat and working with your own memories and feelings and then to to see how that can be brought into being as you uh, say come back into contact with uh, your your families and your uh, living situation outside the retreat but even here as the retreat is going on if you explore your memories or, or the or, uh, how your relationships that the ones that you that you love the ones you depend on the ones that you're anguished by as they come up into your own mind just to to see how those can be transformed by shifting our view shifting the 
the uh, the the perspective in this way. So I offer these thoughts for consideration this evening. <laughs>